Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another rendition of the Orlando Magic Pod Squad. Here's what's coming up. Not only on today's episode does Dante, George, Jeff Turner, and of course the Hall of Famer David Steele sit down with Magic head coach Steve Clifford, but they talk about everything, a candid conversation, what it's been like as the Magic's new head coach, how he's had to change the culture, what he sees from Jonathan Isaac, and also things that he learned from former Magic head coach Stan Van Gundy. Also, he talks about why it would be disappointing if this team does not make the playoffs this year. All right, I'm excited. Let's get to it. This is Aaron Gordon. This is Evan Fournier. This is Jonathan Isaac. This is Mo Bamba. Need a new sports podcast? Check out what's new with the Orlando Magic Pod Squad. The hosts of characters give you a behind-the-scenes look at Magic Basketball. The Magic Pod Squad has you covered. Subscribe and rate on iTunes and the Google Play Store today. And it's another edition of Orlando Magic Pod Squad, and we're pleased to be joined by the head coach of the Orlando Magic and Coach Cliff, I'm going to dare to say you've probably never seen quite as professional a setup as as what you're looking at right here, right? It's, cozy. Yeah. <laughs> it's cozy. It's cozy. We have a cozy setup here. Yeah. Aside from the Hall of Famer, this is about as uh, unprofessional a crew as you're going to come across. Should I so. should I get up off the bed? <laughs> yeah. I'm laying down right now. Should I get off the bed? <laughs> I like the fact that Dante and George are on the bed together. That's my favorite <laughs> yeah. part of yeah. it. I we got the whole thing. We got to paint the picture. Coach. I think we should establish two feet on the floor for the <laughs> yes. remainder of the. <laughs> I agree. I, those are good rules. Those are good. Rules. That is I a like good those rule. rules. Moving forward, I'm going to use that with my kids at some point. <laughs> Two du- feet on the floor at all times. <laughs> Duly noted. Well, again, a lot we want to get into, but first, it was a little bumpy coming in here. I thought uh, coming into DC, and you had told a story, or at least start of it, and I never got a chance to follow up. You, you're one of your worst flights. You said in Houston, where they couldn't get the landing gear down. I thought that was uh, terrifying. Oh, it was scary. We, they um, they notified us whatever a little way out that they weren't sure that the landing gear was going to come down. And uh, so we had to, I can't remember, I think you had to kneel kneel down. Put your head between your knees. Put your head between your knees. Oh. And then and then the flight attendants kept saying there was a term that they, oh, brace for landing. Oh, and they man. keep saying it over and over for like the last, whatever, three or four minutes. And I'll never forget because I, my area was uh, – it was Patrick Ewing, Charlie Ward, and I, and uh, it was scary. But luckily, you know, it came down. They just eventually got it down, and yeah. you were you it were was okay brace for landing. Well, today our kiss your, our kiss plane your butt goodbye. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> today our plane number was six six six. But uh, I noticed that. But right. then we had, <laughs> but we had the ministers, you know, the team chaplains That's on true. the plane. So I think so you know we wash. countered. It's a wash. You know, we countered the the six six six. So we came out. We landed just fine. It was a wash. We came yes. out okay. Well, Cliff, we want to, I think fans are interested, and, and we love to get fans' feedback. And I think people want to know, you know, if you don't mind getting into just starting, what, what lit the fire for coaching? I don't know if it was playing for your dad uh, when you were in high school. Oh, my or, dad was or, a coach. So, I mean, I just I grew up in a sports family. And, um, you know, I think I knew I would coach at a young age. It wasn't, you know. Um, I grew up in a house where it was him and the JV coach and the freshman, the junior high coaches. And the head coach from the Catholic school in the town watching the old uh, ro- uh, reels, you know, and they would put sheets up in the kitchen and film, watching film, film watching reels. 16 film, millimeters, 16 millimeters. <laughs> and speaking uh, your language right yeah. now. Yeah. I, I know. I know and, film. Uh, you know, he, I mean, when I was a kid, he would say, you can sit in there, don't talk, you know. And so, you know, I mean, my dad was a, I mean, terrific coach. So he was always going to clinics and, you know, our house was 24-7 basketball, so it's just kind of the way I grew up. Yeah. So you played Division three, Maine-Farmington, and then you right, got into coaching right away. 
You were a high school coach, right? I was a high school coach. You know, one of the things, you know, my plan was to do what my dad did, be be a teacher and a coach. And, again, this was my father. When I was, like, a freshman in high school, you know, he kept asking me, you sure it's what you want to do? And I'm, you know, yeah, I'm going to be a coach. So when I was a junior in high school, he said to me, listen, if you want to be a coach, because one of the, one of the tougher things about being a high school coach, people may not understand, is to have mobility, uh, you have to be able to get teaching jobs, obviously. And his thing to me was, have you ever thought about special ed? Because, you know, male special educators are one, hard to find, and then two, um, you know, a male special ed teacher who can coach any sport, I don't know what it is today, but back then, you know, was a, was, you know, you were going to be able to move around. So my junior, senior year in high school, I helped out in the resource room to see if I liked it. So that's how I ended up at Farmington. You know, it's a, it's an education school and it's actually the only school in New England whose majors, I majored in learning disability. Most schools you major in special education there, it was broken down into more, you know, mental retardation, emotional disturbance, learning disabilities. So it was a good school for me and a great coach. Um, so it was, a, it was great four years. Now I've read that you met Jeff Van Gundy at a Jim Beheim camp in 1985. Now, did, is that the statement that I just made? Is that correct? Totally. And was yeah. he a high school coach and you were a high school coach? He was a high school coach at McQuaid Jesuit in Rochester, New York. I was a high school coach at Woodland High School in Maine. Brendan Malone, um, you know, who obviously was a mentor of mine. I worked Coach Malone's camps for years when I was in college. Set me up with Jim Beheim, and when I got up there, my station, teaching station in the morning, was beside Jeff, and we just headed off. And then, you know, I got into college. He got into college, and then, you know, we always stayed in touch. Isn't that crazy? I mean, just that random meeting, you and Jeff Van Gundy in 1985. And then he was your entry into the NBA, right, with the New York Knicks. Absolutely. You know, we, we always – we had a good friendship, and we always stayed in touch. And then really what happened was I was the head coach at Adelphi Division II school in Long Island, and they were on lockout. You guys were on lockout. And, you know, Jeff and Tom Thibodeau and Brendan Malone, they're traveling around watching all the college teams play for something to do. And I had a really good team, like a top-20 team all guys back from two years where we'd made the NCAA tournament but lost in the first round. And so he called one day and said, hey, can I come to practice? And he had been to all these places. So when it ended, he's like, you know what? Your kids are more into this than all of these, you know, other schools that I've been to. So it was, it was an unbelievable thing for our school. He started coming to games, you know, for something to do. And he would bring wow. his daughter, you know, and his wife and, you know, so we had the Knicks head coach in the crowd. And then you know how he is. He would sit, give me notes, and then he started saying, hey, can I say something to him, say something to him? And, you know, the players obviously loved it. Uh, it was great for the school. And that's when we really got, you know, even closer. So from there um, – You went to East Carolina. I went to East Carolina as an assistant. And then he, he, he had a job scouting. He just called me and said – Hey, what do you think? Do you want to try this? And I was there in 48 hours. I, I said, was going to yes, ask we'll if you that. hesitated yeah. at all. I guess you didn't hesitate at all yeah. to go from When that. did you meet Stan? Oh, Stan and I go back. Stan, I mean, just a sh small word. Stan was the head coach at Castleton State College in Vermont, you know, where I grew up. 
my sister was a nursing major at Castleton. Her boyfriend of like three years was his student manager. So then when, I was at, <laughs> then when I was at St. Anselm College, uh, as an assistant, Stan was the head coach at UMass Lowell, you know, both Division II. So that's where I got to know him really well. So Stan and I had a relationship, you know, separate from my friendship with Jeff. A lot of similarities with those two in their coaching styles, or what would be the differences? What would be some of the similarities? I would say in terms of philosophy of play, uh, you know, um, how thorough they are, how prepared they are, how organized they are, very similar. Personalities, much different. Mm -hmm. You know, Stan's, uh, I would say that Stan's, um, Jeff would be more reserved, I would say. Uh, I think that they're both demanding of themselves, of their staff, and of their players, but they do do it in, you know, they just have different temperament that way. Mm -hmm. But, you know, otherwise very similar. Now, both of those guys work for Riley, Coach Pat Riley at some time. How much influence did he have on both of them, and then how does that flow down to Steve Clifford? I think uh, a lot. I would also say this, Coach Van Gundy, their dad, who, believe it or not, I have as good a relationship with him because when I was through the years recruiting, he was a junior college coach at Genesee Community College up near Rochester, and I recruited his players for years. Um, so I think a lot of their passion, and he was a tremendous coach, came from growing up with him. I would say this about with Coach Riley, and I, and I think this would be true, is I think they learned a lot from him. I would also say that both of them were instrumental in the X and O part of what they did under him. You know, I think that talking to players and people around, I think Coach Riley, obviously, phenomenal coach. I mean, phenomenal coach. But I think that in New York, Jeff did a lot of the X and O's, and in Miami, Stan did a lot of the X and O's. So I think that, you know, he had a bit of in impact on them, but I think for assistance, they were. I would say more involved than normal in their plan. When you took over in Charlotte in, uh, what was it, 2013, they were really at the bottom. I think they had won just a handful of games the year before. You turned them around pretty quickly. They made the playoffs in the first year, and defensively the team was a lot better, defensive rebounding. A lot of the things that you've done in Orlando in year one, you, know, you did then. What, how, how is it that you're able to go into a program like that, especially an NBA program where, you know, guys are established and a lot of habits are already developed? How is coaching, how is what you're able to do uh, turn into, you know, turn teams around like you've been able to do? Yeah, I think, you know, the, and again, it was, you know, I've had so many, like, fortunate experiences, not just in the NBA but in college, uh, growing up with my dad and all that, but, you know, I was fortunate. I went to Houston with Jeff, where they hadn't been in the playoffs, I believe, for five years. And it was a similar thing, where they hadn't been successful, and we had immediate success. We made the playoffs the first year. We actually lost to Kobe, Shaq, Gary Payton, Carmelo, and that team. Then coming to Orlando with Stan, where they'd been 40 and 42 the year before, they had made strides, but they hadn't won a playoff series, I think, for 10 years. And we won a playoff series that year. And, you know, I remember interviewing in Charlotte, and that was myself. You know, I had notes of exactly what Jeff did in Houston, what Stan did in Orlando. 
And the biggest thing was, <coughs> excuse me, what I felt with both of them was that by the time we practiced the first day, they were the head coaches and we were already the assistants. I feel like they used the summer months to establish relationships with the players, not just eating lunch, but this is how we're going to play. And this is how you need to play. And so when both of them got on the floor, and I think we were able to do that to a certain degree here, they had an idea that, you know, this is how we're going to do it. You know, we're going to protect the paint. We're going to be low turnover. We got to stop fouling, you know, things like that. And to me, if I've had one advantage, it was, you know, working for those two guys and to see how much time they put in the summer of, again, establishing themselves as the coach and the staff as the staff um, so that, you know, I, they both used to say the same thing. There's no rule that says we can't win big the first year, you know, and uh, we've tried to do the same thing here. What kind of notes are you – when you're saying you're taking <laughs> notes all that time to what, – what kind of notes are you taking? Like give us – give me an example. Well, I just think that like what happens – I mean, it's no different than any other profession is is that um, – I don't take any notes. I never – no. That's, that's, I'm very, very bad at that. And you, you have only one foot on the floor. So that, <laughs> I'm not a very good listener. I'm not a very good listener. You instruction very well, yeah, obviously. I'm not surprised. I forgot. I forgot. No, I, I mean, I know for me, um, you know, whatever. I guess it's just maybe maybe if my father did it or whatever. But I take notes on everything. You know, after every practice, I have a book. I write down notes. After every game, the first thing I do uh, right after the press conference is I write down like the three or four things I think, uh, what we were good at, what we were bad at. And then when I watch the film, I'll change it. But I, I think taking notes for me, Otherwise, again, other people may not need to do this. I forget. So, um, well, that's true. Like you and I had a conversation about nothing really yesterday, and then you stopped in the middle a couple of times to write something. I mean, I didn't know what you were writing down, but you were writing something down. Was just, that was just was stuff that was popping. Write down the stuff, stuff that about you me. were saying. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. About George. Like, stuff that should he really be here? Get the, get the yeah. lock changed on this. Yeah, door. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He never listens Fire. when I talk. <laughs> yeah, no similar stuff. Yeah, so there's that, similar stuff that I used to write down when I was assistant. You didn't listen. That's to true. Me. That's true. <laughs> I think I get it by now. You're in front of David and I for much of the game. But you take notes during the game as well. You've got a little blue card. I've noticed that you're writing down things. What kind of things are you writing down during a game? Uh, well, most of it is like what to talk to them about at halftime. But other, other things are, um, you know, more long-term vision. And, um, you know, we're not running back or, you know, this might be an idea. I, I just, for me, I don't, you know, maybe I'm, just, I'm not that smart, but I have to write stuff down. And when I do, otherwise, I don't, I don't know how you guys are, but there's so many times in the course of a season when, you know, you a week will go by and you'll see a team do something and say, man, you know what, I was going to do that. And by writing it down, it doesn't mean you always get to it, but I'm, I am organized, uh, in my thoughts anyway. Yeah. Different, uh, you're organizing your thoughts and your ability to relate to players. I, I know that's yeah. something we saw here your first five <laughs> years, and, and obviously that was something you did in Charlotte. Where, where does 
that come from? How important is that? Just your ability to establish those relationships you just talked about and, and, and have that, inter, that, that relationship with players. Well, I'll tell you, that it was one of, the, the, one of the great things Jeff did for me, and, you know, Stan's the same way, but when I got my first head job at Adelphi, mm -hmm. I've been a high, head high school coach. I've been recruited for whatever, probably 10, 12 years, Division One. And I got the job at Adelphi, and it was a good school for me because I had recruited New York City for years. And it's a metropolitan school, and I could do it with all kind of transfers and like that. And yet, one of the tough things about college is you're recruiting. You know, you're not really coaching. Now, I had worked for great coaches. I worked Brett Brown's dad, a guy named Keith Dixon. I'd worked for, like, terrific coaches. So I had the opportunity to learn a lot. But the reality is your days are spent on the phone writing letters. You know, that's how you make your name. And, you know, so as I was getting ready for the season, I realized, like, you know, I don't have a real full, you know, what am I going to run for an offense? What am I going to run for a defense? You know, those things. Like, I had not put a lot of thought into it. I was too busy, you know, recruiting. So, Jeff, the Knicks were having a golf tournament in Long Island, and I called him, and I'm like, hey, you know, I got some questions. You, you have any time? He said, look, I'll come early. And he, and he said, let's take, like, 30 minutes, and we'll sit down. So we talked. I had all these defensive questions, offensive questions. He got done. He said, the most important thing you have to have is you have to have a way you're going to do it. And he said, what I would do is I would sit down and I would write a uh, personal leadership philosophy of how you're going to be the head coach <coughs> now because it's a lot different. And then he showed me his. And the one thing that I took, and, believe, and for me, I don't care what you're doing. It's the most important thing about connecting with people is, so, you know, I have one, it's in my desk here, and it said, if, if you ask any of our guys about me, you know, I would want them to say, first and foremost, Steve wants me to do well. And there's no more important thing than that to me. I mean, I don't care what your job is with the people that uh, you're working with, you know, is – we only have 15 of them, you know, I don't have to recruit, <laughs> you know, I'm divorced, so I have the time, but I mean, it's important, and you, you're not going to be 100% every year, but it is important that they know that I want them to play well. Now, it doesn't mean that I have to do it in a way that we always agree, that wouldn't even be healthy. Um, I try to be very honest with them um, about how I think they have to play. Uh, but you can do all of that and be supportive. And then on the tough times, that's when you have the best chance of getting through losses, losing streaks, or whatever. But if, of anything else I've learned from him, that was as important as anything. You know, a lot of coaches are, can get, get on players. I mean, that's, that's just part of it. You get on a guy pretty hard. But the trick is not to lose him, you know, to be able to get on a guy and he still respects you and still wants to play for you. Is that what you're saying, that you, you have to develop a trust in the player, that he, he knows that you have his best interest at heart, and, and then you can get on a guy and he still wants to play for you? I, I think that's the whole key. I think that, and that, that, to me, that's the Van Gundy's. I mean, I think that and, – and I think it comes in a, in a lot of ways. We all have to do it. I can't be Stan, you know. I mean, I hope my team plays like Stan's teams play. Um, he's one of my best friends. He's a mentor phenomenal coach 
I'm not as smart as Stan is, you know. I'm not as dynamic as Stan is. But I do have a similar philosophy. But the one thing I know is, like we all have to do, you have to figure out how the best way for you to do it is. And um, for me, it's more. It's text. It's watching film with them. Um, the one thing I make sure they know, I don't play coach unless I know what I'm saying. Like, they know. I don't guess. Like, when we come in and watch film, they know. You know, like, uh, you know, I do little things that I learned from Jeff and Stan. So, like, today, we watched uh, 18 clips, 10 offense, 8 defense. Well, I memorized those clips. So, as we're going through, I know what I'm going to say as we go through. And it takes time, you know, that's about 45 minutes of my prep. But to me, it makes an incredible difference. So shoot arounds, I always go early with the, the assistant coach who uh, did the edit. That's a Van Gundy thing. So when the guys come, the tape's in, the stuff's on the board, they don't have to wait around. This is what we need to do. And it saves like 15 minutes and there's no loitering. Those are the kind of things I learned from them that I think help your credibility with guys at this level. Has it become more challenging as the times have changed for players? Uh, you know, obviously, I know the, the the AAU culture. I know you have strong feelings about that, and um, you know a lot of the I don't want to say privilege that you know players have now and everything, but it's different, isn't it? It's it's a lot different. I mean, I think it's different today than it was five years ago, and. It's funny, I think people a lot of times look at the NBA animal and they say those guys are hard to coach. And I found that right from day one, they're easier to coach than college guys. Because I think that people, people realize how talented you have to be to play in the NBA, but they don't realize they are the most committed. They are the hardest workers. You know, I think because we play 82 games, and you don't have a college-type atmosphere, people don't realize how hard these guys play every night. I mean, right. rarely do you see guys come from college and they're ready for the intensity of this league. I mean, you know, now the college game is different because it's the fans, in my opinion. I love college basketball, but got college players really know how to work. They really know how to practice, even the ones who played for the great coaches, and they really know how they have to play. That part's gotten worse because they're only at these schools for one year now. I, my opinion is this, is they, they aren't nearly as fundamentally sound. They do know how to work on their individual games. They're worse at practice, and they have far less basketball IQ than they did five, six, seven, eight, definitely from when you played. Not, not even close. Like, you know, they just don't have a foundation of play like they used to. How long does that take, though, to build up? I mean, like take, you know, take a rookie in today's NBA. How long does that take? Does that just depend on the, the person? Or, I mean, will some guys just not have that ever? Take Jonathan Isaac as an example. Yeah. You know, one year at Florida State, one year, redshirt year pretty much with the Magic. This is kind of his, his redshirt freshman rookie year. Um, he's picked it up pretty quickly. Is he? Is that unusual? Is he? I, I, and he played for a great coach. I, I would say this: everything. And people think this is the coaching cop out, but I, I'm going to explain this. Everything is personnel based. You know, there's nobody. People can say, 
you know, how did they win a championship? At any level, you never win a championship if you don't have great talent. Right. I mean, I recruited for years, and the one thing I figured out after a while is <laughs> it's not always, it's the job that you have. You know, you if you're in New Jersey, there's certain places where if you're the coach at this school in this town, you're going to win. If you're the school, you know, in this town and it's a soccer school, you're not going to win. You know, you've got to – that's how it works. In college, take any conference. There's three or four schools where you're going to win. There's three or four schools where you might be able to win every three, four years. Now, the NBA is different because, you know, we have the, we have the, the cap. So we can all win. And if you get a superstar, you have them for a long time. So that changes it. But to me, a lot of it is just who they are. Jonathan Isaac, for instance, to get back to it is, he, he's very sharp. He picks things up quickly. But when you watch him play, you know, he played for a great college coach. But when you watch him play, he naturally plays in a way that you're going to want to play with him. If a guy's open, he gives him the ball. If he's open, he shoots it. If, you know, if he's not, he moves it and he cuts. Well, that's nothing, you know, anybody ever taught him. You know, I remember Stan saying about Turkoglu, we were having a debate one day about, about basketball IQ. And I won't say one of us was disagreeing. And, you know, Stan, <laughs> and, no, no, but he made the great point. He said, listen, the first time Turkoglu caught the ball when he was like a, say, fifth grader playing basketball and the guy beside him was open, he caught it and he gave it to him. You don't coach guys to do those things. You can coach them to don't, you're not a good passer, don't try to throw that pass. That makes them smarter. But guys that make plays like Turk play, that, it, nobody, nobody teaches that. I it's mean, just you, natural. Oh, right? Yeah, that's all evaluation. I mean, like one of the great lines I've ever heard is, in the trade secrets of the New England Patriots, Belichick says, if you want a smart, intelligent, hard-playing football team in the NFL, it's got much more to do with who you draft, who you trade for, and who you sign in free agency than it does how you talk to them, what you do in practice, and how you game plan. And, you know, it all starts with that. Um, so a guy like Jonathan Isaac, I think that you can watch in summer league and say, you know, he's got a chance. Along those lines, what, what were maybe some of the challenges when you took over a team that hadn't been to the postseason in five, six years? You know, you, you get a group of guys that work hard and desperately want to win but hadn't been able to kind of find that find that path. What, what did you think maybe were some of your early obstacles, or, or were there any as far as oh, I think it's the same. Oh, I think it's the same that they are now. I mean, you know, for us to – you know, we have a chance here. I mean, we're – you know, I told them this morning, if anybody would have said uh, – you know, with 14 to play, we'll be one game out. We all would have been happy Absolutely. with that. And yet, let's face it, it'll be, you know, incredibly disappointing if we don't make the playoffs. Incredibly. And it's the same thing. We have to play better. You know, I think like, again, like most jobs, mm -hmm. the challenge never goes away. We have to play more uh, consistently. We have a way to play where we've shown we can go anywhere and play against the better teams. But I think that where people, uh, you know, I, I want to say it's the wrong way, media, fans, or whatever, they'll say, well, how can you win at Boston and then lose at Cleveland? Well, you don't understand this league then mm -hmm. because Boston can lose at Cleveland. You know, right. Golden State can lose, you know. Look at who Phoenix has beaten this year. Yeah. 
And the whole challenge is not to be able to do it once, it's to be able to do it night after night as night. As you know, it's the difference in players and it's the difference in teams. And, you know, we need to be top three, four defensively the rest of the year. We're capable of that. The other night we would have been eighth, you know. And we need to be, say, a 15, 16, 17 type offensive team. When we'll move the ball and pass it to each other, we have a chance. And when we don't, which is what happened the other night, particularly against the good defensive teams, it's a struggle. And every team has. I mean, every team has their things, you know. One of the things for us is, frankly, is basketball is still a game of penetration. It is. I mean, it doesn't matter how you want to say it. You've got to be able to get the ball going towards the basket. We don't have a lot of ways to do that. On the nights when we'll move the ball quickly, spread them out, drive and kick, we are really good. Um, so that, to me, as much as anything, is the challenge. Do it on a, on a consistent basis. Well, what do the what do you do when you're on the road? We're going to let you go here. But what is when you get on the road? Do you get? We saw you out one time, I think, in Milwaukee, braving the elements. Yeah, let's talk about that. Though, yeah, real quick. Didn't he have a T-shirt? And you, you had on you had on the sliders and shorts socks like you had on right now, degrees. and it was 20 degrees, and you were coming back from Subway. I think it was. It was it was very cold. Like, I'm you like gotta, you guys now. I've been doing this for a long time. <laughs> I've got my places, right? <laughs> Just like you're you right, guys right. do. Look, That's I know right. where every pot belly, every subway. <laughs> pot belly right, right down right the street. Down street, street. Yeah, exactly, okay. right? Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I have my thing. I mean, the one thing as an assistant, you know, I used to go out to dinner a lot and stuff like that. I mean, frankly, to be honest, like if I'm going to do what's right for the players and be on top of it, uh, most nights – you know, like I still have a couple hours of work to do here. You know, you start playing these games um, where you're playing every other day. If you really want to, again, if you want to be prepared and on top of it, you know, you spend most of your time, you know, studying. And then... Um, then you got to get your rest, too. Yeah, and then I have to sleep, you know. Yeah. And in terms of the weather thing, I grew yeah. up in Vermont, George. Listen, we used to swim in that weather. That's true. Okay? That's true. All right. Yeah. You're just tougher than I am. I understand. I get it. That's the reason for I that. I had on 12 layers. I, was, I still couldn't get warm. What what you, when when you roll up the paper courtside and throw it down right, you're not angry at Jeff and me, are you? <laughs> <laughs> Want to know what's funny is I am a little. Some, my, my father. I, I can see you're a lot of times you're angry <laughs> yeah. at something. I think I, that too when he does that in front of me too. I almost want to. My dad I didn't do was it. a nut for like, you know, if they won Tuesday, Friday in Vermont High School, you know, wear the same clothes, park in the same <laughs> parking spot, and I'm not really like that. But I will say this, and I'm going to keep doing it. When I throw the stat sheet behind the bench, mm -hmm. we lose. Mm. And when I or we don't play well, when I put it up near you guys, we play better. Okay. And okay. so, like, we got that's no problem. My, that's got that's my thing. I do have to. I have to always apologize to the person cleaning up because it looks like I'm a slob. I, I, like, I'm really not a slob. Well, listen, that bad. I'll come clean it up if that's what it takes. <laughs> Only if we win. No, we'll, we'll, clean yeah. we'll clean it up. We'll clean it up. David and I are we'll road. open up We're plenty of room. There. High. Do you get all of the? I get all the trash. Okay, yes, all the trash comes to me. Yep. So in Washington, it'll be George. It'll be. I'll get the trash tomorrow. You know, you won't see us in Washington. They put us. Up. I'll make a spot. I'll make court. a spot for all the trash. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. We got to make sure you have. Make sure the next time he has plenty of room then to put those. Oh, he's got those. He finds room. room. Moved, I move the monitor out. Yeah, monitor. I take the monitor out a little bit. How about, po how about post game? Post game or pre game, Cliff? What's give me one question that I should never ask? <laughs> that I should that I should always stay away from. Is there are there certain things that you just 
you you the look on your face when when uh, some certain questions are just priceless. oh and I'm guilty of it it's beautiful and I'm like I did it I did it right no, there no 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 I mean um yeah sometimes you get taken for surprise um I'm certainly not trying to but I do no I I mean I think like anybody you know listen it's an emotional we're all emotional after the sure. games and so um you know and uh, I think also right after the game you want to be thinking about what just happened. You know, so you can start to get ready for the next game. But the last thing you want to do is go face the the media, right? And yeah, no, some some nights that's the last thing you want to do. Especially yeah. field <laughs> questions from a bunch of guys who never played in the NBA, <laughs> yeah. right? No, Does that take no, the sting I, out of it? I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't. I mean, I, I don't, I don't mind that. I mean, I, th- I guess like a lot of it is just it's the, the general. Like, like the one thing, and this happens everywhere, yeah, is sure. where every game is how big did game. you motivate yeah. and, you know, did you tell them right, right. this is the big one and, you know, <laughs> no, you know, that one yeah. is like, please, you know. Go with that tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Coach, game, this Coach is what, a have, game. what have you told your Coach, team? Coach, what was your I'll, speech yeah. before the game? Did you, game? Did you, did you tell them win one the for the Gipper? Is that what you yeah. – The funniest ask, thing I ask think – Ask the guys about the motivate. I have not done one motivate – I mean – I just, uh, like, I, I, you remember Coach Cheney at Temple. He did a one-man clinic once, phenomenal. And I was like 24, and I went to it, and he said, remember one thing, you know, they have to listen to you because they're the coach. There's no magic words. You know, it's all about how you practice, what you teach them. And if you have to get up and be, you know, talking all the time, then it's not going to work out, you know. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. All right, well, we appreciate it, Cliff. Good luck, and this has been a blast for us this year, and we look forward to seeing how these Final 14 play out. Thank you very much. Go get Thanks, a sandwich. Coach. Yep. Go get Put a jacket on. I'll be a pot belly in five minutes. <laughs> <laughs>